Hi, I'm Annie Fitzsimmons. I'm your Washington Realtors Legal Hotline lawyer. And this is another episode in our series entitled Industry Evolutions, where I have been joined for the entire series by Eric Johnson. He is the chairperson of the Washington Realtors Presidential Advisory Group appointed by President Sherry Daniels to discuss at a very high level on behalf of Washington Realtors these industry evolution issues. So our final discussion topic in this series is the revisions to the Form 1A, the statewide Form 1A exclusive, and, and 1B also, I'm sorry, Form 1A and 1B, the listing agreements that are the statewide form listing agreements. Now what's unique about the listing agreement is that not every broker in the state uses these forms. Um, and even if you're a Northwest MLS member, it, there's gonna be a Northwest MLS rules change that doesn't even obligate you as a Northwest MLS member to use this, this listing agreement. So let's talk about the revisions to this listing agreement again at a conceptual level because I think it creates a greater understanding of the issues mm -hmm. that we've been, that the PAG is looking at and that we've been talking about in this series. Even though you may not be yourself using this specific form, when we get down to the compensation provision, that's the first issue of note, is that it's no longer called the commission, commission right. provision. It's now called the compensation provision because commission connotes, if you will, mm -hmm. there's a lot of co-words, um, that, that, that it's uh, a real estate commission run through the old process of payment to the listing firm and then shared with the buyer broker firm. Correct. The listing agreement as it's revised, the statewide form listing agreement as it's revised, eliminates the seller's share the seller payment of compensation to the listing firm which the listing firm must then share with the buyer brokers firm and instead it creates two separate direct obligations from seller seller is going to directly compensate the listing firm and directly compensate through an offer of compensation to the buyer broker firm so it's still going to look on the MLS printout the same. It's going to be a selling office compensation, I'm sorry, a, a, a offer of compensation, because the seller's still offering compensation, but it's a direct right. compensation from seller to buyer. It's no longer dependent on running through the listing firm. It's not a sharing of compensation. Right. That's significant mm -hmm. to some of the issues presented, again, that were discussed in the first two episodes of this series, kind of the national landscape, the lawsuits that are out there um, pending, the, the seller is not being required to pay compensation to the listing broker that will then be shared even unwittingly, unwittingly to seller with the buyer broker's firm. Instead, the seller is making their own intentional decision to compensate the buyer broker. And if they don't want to do that, they're not going to mark the box saying that they want to pay, that they're going to make that offer of compensation. It's just that simple. So then let's look at that compensation provision. Paragraph, subparagraph A of the compensation provision identifies the amount of compensation that the seller will pay to the listing firm if the seller sells the property and the sale closes or the seller sells the property and the sale fails to close due to seller's default. But there's an interesting sub-provision, Eric, and it deals with unrepresented buyers. And, and we need to look at this provision specifically. Okay. 
the language here says, if the buyer is not represented by a buyer brokerage firm, how would that happen, Eric? How would we have a buyer who's not represented by a buyer brokerage firm? If they just came in an open house and said, I want to buy the house. Okay. I don't have anybody representing me and I'd like to buy this house. Okay. Does that ever happen? Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Okay, so if the buyer is not represented by a buyer brokerage firm, then the listing firm compensation shall be, again, a blank there for you to identify it. And if there's nothing written in that provision, then the, then the default says equal to the amount in the section above, which is the basic listing firm compensation. So let's put this in real terms. You're holding that, you're the listing broker, you're holding that open house. You've agreed that seller will pay the listing firm X percent. Mm -hmm. Seller has also agreed to pay the buyer broker firm Y percent. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yep. This subparagraph, uh, 4A Roman numeral 1, mm -hmm. says that if you don't write anything at all in that provision, then when that unrepresented buyer comes into your open house, seller has agreed to pay you X as the listing broker, that's all you're gonna get. Correct. And the funds that for the, the Y that was offered to buyer broker, mm -hmm. it's just that's gonna right. go back to seller. Correct. And this, this kind of is along the same lines and how the practitioner fills this out makes all the difference in the world, of all course. All the difference. Uh, but it does, uh, ring true of the concepts that we do talk about at the NAR level, uh, which is uh, compensation is not related to representation. Um, and so uh, it can be, depending on how you right. fill it out, but um, it, it doesn't have to be. And so again, this is providing the maximum range of options for that seller. It is putting the onus back on the listing broker to explain, okay, well, if I generate a buyer, I, I still, expect to be compensated more than just if I was representing you or not or whatever right. um, but uh, I think it's a again in an effort to be more transparent and to uh, be uh, clear with the seller as to the different iterations of agency right. uh, and how that affects and how that affects uh, the practitioner's compensation I yeah think that's, that's all valid. It, and this is the probably the biggest distinction between the offer of compensation running through the firm to running through the listing firm to the buyer broker firm versus being two separate offers of compensation because we all know that prior to October 3rd of this year when compensation is offered to the listing firm and then shared with the buyer brokers firm if there's an unrepresented buyer then sellers gonna pay how much compensation does the, the total the, amount the yeah, total but, amount yeah. Yeah, and seller has no say in that, right? Correct. They've already agreed to that total. Well, they have say. They signed the listing agreement. But, yeah. but, but that's the structure of the listing agreement. Correct. This listing agreement requires listing broker and seller to discuss at the time that the listing comes in exactly what Eric just said. If I bring a buyer, here's the extra work I'm going to do, and here's why I should be compensated more. Here's why I don't need to be compensated. Whatever the conversation right. is, you're gonna have that conversation now, listing brokers at the time you take the listing. Yep. Okay, and then below that, as paragraph 4B, <clears throat> that's where the seller gets to identify the buyer brokerage firm compensation. 
nothing too tricky there how much are they gonna pay the buyer brokerage firm until you get down to Roman numeral one of subparagraph B which is the dual agency provision so let me read this language to you because this is brand new language you've never seen this in a listing agreement before it says if the listing broker is a dual agent and represents both seller and the buyer then the buyer brokerage firm compensation paid to listing firm shall be and you would identify the amount that it is and if it's not filled in now it is equal to the amount that the seller has offered to pay the buyer broker firm so if you're a dual agent <clears throat> so this is a huge difference in the language of the form but not that much difference in the way broker the, 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 the work that the listing broker is going to be doing sure. but brokers if you don't understand the distinction and whether you are or are not a dual agent you're gonna fall into a bad trap here so remember you're not a dual agent unless you have a buyer written buyer agency agreement and a written listing agent listing agreement so you have to have a written agency agreement with both seller and buyer before you're a dual agent if you're a dual agent only then do you drop down to section 4b roman numeral 1 the the and only then are you entitled without saying more to both the listing firm compensation and the buyer broker firm compensation but listing broker if you're representing the seller exclusively but writing the offer for the buyer and you don't change any of the language in paragraph 4a roman numeral 1 then you're only entitled to the listing firm compensation huge difference in compensation relatively small difference in the amount of work that you're going to do some but relatively small difference in the amount of work that you're going to be doing Depending, yeah well def that's true because you might have been doing a whole lot of right. work with the who buyer knows? before they ever found yeah, the house who knows, right? yeah that's yeah. true that was yeah. a silly thing to say yeah. I'm, I'm still assuming that we've got the buyer who just walks into the open house for the first time and that's where you that happens them. all the time Right. No, it never. I mean, it happens every now and then. Yeah, it does happen. Every <laughs> usually, day. it's usually it's a lot of work. It, that's true. That's so. true. Which well, and I'm glad that that you brought me around to that point because that justifies the difference in the form. Sure, absolutely. And so, because I, I think it it allows for like, okay, if they come in and there's a non-agency, in other words, I don't have a buyer brokerage agreement with them, but they want to buy your house, this is what it would be. And if they are, if I am going to represent them. Uh, in an agency capacity, here's what it's going to be. So it is, it's... Or not only if I'm going to, but if I have if been I have, representing right. them. We've and looked at every house in this county right. for the last six months. Sure. They finally right. found your house and they want to buy it. Right, and so again, this is, and it is making it a little bit more complex, right, mm -hmm. for us to explain, right. but it's also forcing us to uh, be more thorough in our explanation and by default, having us understand it better. That's exactly right. Right, which is which is the purpose of a lot of these changes. It's like we should know agency law and be able to articulate that to our clients uh, uh, verbatim. We get paid a lot of money to do what we do, you know. I, I in, but end of the day, big picture, and and I think that's it's a fair it's a fair ask to be like, okay, well, explain all this to me. This is why, right? Yeah. That's right. This is why. This is how come we've earned that yes, big compensation? Absolutely. Okay, and then the very last provision um, goes directly to the heart of one of the DOJ NAR concerns, the very last 
um, provision in paragraph 4, and it's paragraph 4B, Roman numeral 2. It's, it's entitled Non-Member Buyer Brokerage Firm. And it says, if checked, so now the seller's going to have to actually check a provision or listing broker walking through the form with the seller. If checked, the offer to pay buyer brokerage firm compensation shall extend to licensed brokerage firms that are not members of this MLS. So Eric and I are in different MLSs. I'm the listing broker. He's got a buyer, but he's not a member of my MLS. If the seller has checked that box and Eric calls me and says, hey, Annie, I have a buyer who wants to see your house. No, I don't have an MLS key. I'd like to get access to it. Um, can, I, can I get compensation if I bring a ready, willing, and able buyer? If the seller has checked that box, then the answer to Eric is absolutely bring your buyer. We want as much exposure as possible. If that box is not checked, then Eric's going to have to negotiate with whom? Yeah, the broker. Yeah, well, right. the, the, the buyer, the buyer yeah, or right. the seller the right. for yeah, compensation, right. Yeah. right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and this is, again, uh, something that doesn't happen a lot. But when it does happen, it's it's a difficult – there's difficult conversations going on, That's right? right. Uh, from the brokerage to the buyer broker, from the brokerage to the seller saying – well, what, how do you want to handle this? Do, That's right. Is this person, is this in their area of expertise? Is there, you know, there's all sorts of variables that come into play there. Um, and, and address it, you know, going through that scenario, even though it's a low percentage scenario, ahead of time is the purpose of the form. Where, That's right. again, we, have, we should know our business and know, be able to explain, hey, this is not... This is unlikely to happen, but if it does, we want to address it now. How do you want to handle it? That's right. Here and are the pros and the cons, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Here's why, it, here's why it makes sense to offer as broad exposure as possible, but then there could be issues, as Eric just mentioned, of this, the buyer broker not even knowing the area. Right. So let's talk about it. And, and a, lot of buyer, a lot of sellers are going to have conversations with a lot of listing brokers around this topic, and the issue will never present itself in, right. in real life. Right. But having that conversation up front means, broker, that you have created transparency with your seller around these issues. And the question of providing the broadest exposure even to non-Northwest, I'm sorry, even to non-members of your MLS. Right. Anything else? Well, and I, all of this, I think, when you, when you break all this down into a, a larger picture, uh, this is all an opportunity to become more credible with our clients. Ooh, I like that. Right? And and you're like, whoa, hold, this is a lot more complex than what I thought it was. I thought that was just, I signed paperwork and you sell it and we're good, I just go on my life. Uh, and it's like, well, no, there is some scenarios that can, can present themselves that are, you know, uh, that we want to we talk about that ahead of time. That's right. And I think that if I'm a consumer, that's going to put me at ease that, oh, wow, this wasn't just a five-minute deal. I signed some paperwork and you take off and put a sign in the yard. It's like, oh, we actually had a conversation about what 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 you do and what happens if. That's right. And and those are all good things, I think. And it also, I agree with you, first of all. I'm sorry. Sounds like it was moving on too fast. Mm. 100%. That's so important. I also like the fact that it puts questions like this last one, the non, the broker, the, fir, the conversation to the non-MLS member, it put it. It houses that decision-making power in the seller. Yes, versus because, the broker. Exactly. Because in today's world, prior to this change, 
it, it's in the exclusive jurisdiction of the seller. The, I mean, in the broker, the listing broker. The seller's already offered to pay X amount to me as a listing firm. Now, am I going to be willing to share it right. with an out-of-area broker? And that is, and, and that, as a, as a member, our job is to do what's in the member's best interest. And you can make a pretty strong argument that this is in the member's best interest to, to have that be, be a seller's decision versus the member's decision in that if it comes under scrutiny that's right uh, from the powers that be that we can kind of wash our hands saying listen I explained this they checked this box that's why we're doing it this way and that's what the seller the seller seller's made that decision. decision that's right and 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 that's a and I know some of you out there are like oh god this seems so much more this seems harder and it's like yeah it is a little <laughs> um, uh, but uh, there's a reason for that because if we if we um, don't explain it to this level and don't don't break it down and, and don't give the seller those those maximum options to make those those the appropriate decision for them um, uh, and we start making those decisions now that that's ammunition for us to come under scrutiny and hence the Department of Justice and those those right. sorts of complaints and so we're trying to um, uh, get ahead of that. Yeah, and I'm going to close out this series feeding off of something you just said. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. You've been in this industry for 27 years. Mm -hmm. I've been the hotline lawyer for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. Have you seen this industry go through something that's hard yeah. before? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we complain, we gnash our teeth, and and all, and you know what? It it ends up being okay. Like we all get through it. And we have to we have to look at this as an opportunity to become better educated and, and better professionals. And better professionals can serve serving the consumer, yes. the creating more transparency while still achieving the goals of our industry, which is to help buyers and sellers accomplish their real estate goals yes. and get paid for it in the process. Absolutely. Right? Amen. You've you've done hard stuff before, brokers, and you're gonna you're gonna get through this no problem. You are extraordinarily resilient, and I am proud to be the Washington Realtors Legal Hotline lawyer because you prove over and over again that you are up to the task. So if you have a question on anything we've talked about in this series or anything else, please visit warealtor.org and ask me a question through the legal hotline link. Thank you so much for being a Washington Realtors member.